my friends, I want to talk to you today about something deeply personal. And by that, I don't mean something that uh, I don't mean I'm going to talk about uh, details in my life that would be inappropriate or would not be helpful. But I want to talk to you about what I need these days uh, very, very much in a very personal way. Sometimes somebody comes up and they may know about some of the difficulties that uh, we have faced over these last couple of years. And they'll say something like, I'm praying that you will have a very vivid picture of what your future could look like that will be much better. Or I'll pray that you'll be able to imagine circumstances the way that you want them to go. Or I'm praying that you will have a vision for your family where everyone and everything will be reconciled. And while I'm very grateful for the heart behind that, I'll find myself kind of think I kind of can't go there. And, and partly it's because I don't know what the future holds, at least not in this life. And it's even hard for me to understand or imagine what it will be like in eternity. And I don't believe that faith means that my ability to increase the estimates of circumstances turning out the way that I want them to has some kind of magic impact on the future. I'll find myself sometimes thinking in the face of statements like that, I can't go there. I can't go there. So this is about hope for people who can't go there. Maybe that's you. Dallas Willard, Renovation of the Heart. We're coming to wonderful words and days to come about love and joy and peace. Now he talks about hope. Hope is anticipation of good, not yet here. That's hope. It's anticipation of good. Inseparable from joy. We are saved by hope. We rejoice in hope. If we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Those are all statements from the Bible. The New Testament in particular has a lot to say about hope. Dallas goes on, One of the remarkable changes brought by Jesus and his people into the ancient world concerned the elevation of hope into a primary virtue. Hope was not well regarded by the Greco-Roman world. It turns out in the ancient world generally, particularly among the Stoics, Hope was regarded as actually kind of a moral weakness. They said the main dividing line in life is, what's the stuff I can control and what's the stuff I cannot control? And the wise person is the one who bets the farm on what she or he is able to control. And primarily, that's my own spirit. That's my inner life. That's my mind. And I can be guided by the supreme good reason to develop self-mastery and to let go, to not care about, cultivate an attitude of detachment from those things that I, I cannot control. So to hope is a fool's game because then I'm putting my well-being in the hands of a force that's not under my control. Hope will disappoint you. The Roman philosopher Seneca said, cease to hope and you cease to fear. Letting go of hope is the secret to living well. The philosopher Epictetus, another Stoic, said, don't get too attached to anything. Protect your heart from disappointment. He said, at the very moment you're taking joy in something, present yourself with the opposite outcome. What harm is it just when you're kissing your little child to say, tomorrow you will die? Well, for one thing, it might scare the little child. 
that may be why we never hear of Epictetus Jr. Kid was in therapy the rest of his life. Mom, do not let dad tuck me in again. Okay, so that's, that's the idea of hope generally in the ancient world. We take it for granted hope's a good thing. They did not in the ancient world. That came into the world through Jesus. But it was not untethered, see. Dallas goes on, hope is closely related to faith. Faith is confidence grounded in reality. Faith is not a wild leap. So often in our day, people think of uh, believing in something by faith as the opposite of believing in something by reason. Not at all. It is confidence, and we all have to live with confidence in certain things. Cars we drive, light switches we flip, chairs that we sit in, doctors we get examined by. It's the same kind of faith. It's grounded in reality. And Dallas has a, a wonderful quote from Jeremy Taylor about how that's rooted in what God has already done for us in the past. Dallas says, nobody is worried about what happened last year. And then he goes on to talk about uh, one of the greatest texts on hope ever in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we're justified by faith in Christ, we have peace with God. No more war between us and what is good. Through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. This scene, that little bird right there, those trees, my heartbeat, my, this is all grace from God. We boast in the hope, that word again, of the glory of God, all of this goodness and love that makes my life possible is what I have to look forward to one day be redeemed. And not only that, he goes on, we boast in our sufferings because sufferings produce endurance and endurance produce character. Now I know this to be true. That thought that all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. I can hardly go there, but I know it is true that I find a presence in my sufferings and there is a goodness beneath it. And that's part of what I want to share with you in this that is very deeply meaningful to me. There's a writer, J.R.R. Tolkien. He was a good friend of C.S. Lewis, and he wrote The Lord of the Rings. You might have seen the movies or read the book. Tolkien actually said that one of the big reasons, one of the main reasons why he wrote The Lord of the Rings was to convey an idea, what he called a theory of courage. Tolkien and Lewis were both very strong Christians. They also loved Northern writings, North mythology. And there was, Tolkien said, a theory of courage in those writings that was, he said, in fact, their great contribution to humanity that he wanted to show in its true light. Just as there's a lot of overlap in Stoicism with Christianity, so there was a great deal in Norse mythology with Christianity. In both cases, there was the sense that there is more to this world than what we can see. There is a transcendent realm. And in both cases, there is a tremendous battle going on between good and evil. In uh, Christianity, the metaphor, the picture of that ultimate battle is the word Armageddon. In Norse mythology, it's Ragnarok, only there is this difference. In Norse theology, the gods lose. Good loses. And chaos and meaninglessness and hostility 
overwhelm and overcome everything. And the idea of um, uh, that true courage, that theory of courage, is that for those who are valiant, they continue to strive for what is good because victory or evil have nothing to do with right or wrong. And because even if in the end forces that are hostile or even evil should prevail, that could not force a hero to switch sides. And the beauty of someone choosing to serve the good, regardless of how the outcomes look, is part of what Tolkien wanted to show in Lord of the Rings. So there's a paragraph where he's writing about Sam. Sam is a little hobbit that devotes his life to serving Frodo in the battle to try to fight against evil and to destroy the wing, the, the wing, the ring. And this is what it says when things look real dark. Sam never had any real hope in the affair from the beginning. But being a cheerful hobbit, he had not needed hope as long as despair could be postponed. Now they had come to the bitter end. But he had stuck to his master all the way. That was what he had chiefly come for. And he would stick to him still. And I think of the disciples with Jesus made me think about there's quite a famous disciple who's often kind of looked down on. His name is is, uh, Thomas. And in John the 11th chapter, when Jesus says he's going to go to Judea where the people are going to kill him, Thomas says, let us go to Judea with him that we may die with him. And maybe that's the true theory of courage. Maybe he was, maybe he was the most valiant and heroic of all the disciples. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the final chapter, the very last word we have to describe the disciples before Jesus gives them the Great Commission and tells them to go, the very last verb that describes them, we're told that disciples worship him on the mountain, but some doubted, but some doubted, but some doubted. Resurrection? Yeah, I guess. Can't go there. Can't go there. Yet those are the ones that he says, go. So today, if your hope tank is full and your imaginer is working great and you envision wonderful things in your life today and tomorrow and next year, man, God bless you. Go with a full tank. If you can't go there, there is a life and a goodness and a presence of God that is available to you and to me that is deeper than anything this world has to offer. We follow yet the God of hope. We serve him. We go there. See you next time. Thanks for joining us. There are emails that go along with each episode. And if you'd like to receive those, you can go to becomenew.me slash subscribe. And there you can also sign up to receive daily text alerts. We'll see you next time.